We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after the Wolves fall to the Los Angeles Clippers, 126-115. We've talked in the last few episodes before tonight's game about some of the context clues that might have led us to believe that the 3-3 three and three start to the season wasn't necessarily something you know to be concerned about because some of that context suggested that things were about to turn for the Wolves. Namely, we've been talking about the Wolves' three-point shooting that had just been ice cold through the first three, first six games of the season. But we're also right encouraged that there had been signs from the defense in those games that suggested there might there might be a higher floor for this team than we might have thought, given that you know they weren't expecting even average defense from the Wolves this year. Those are the positive context clues. But tonight, you know, I'm not trying to say the house is burning down after you know after a loss to the Clippers, but I. I think we should start with some of the context clues on the other side that maybe we've been kind of brushing over with some optimism. So I, I kind of want to start with that um, because it's I think it's a good frame to look through for this team going forward beyond this now three and four record. And I think the most concerning context clue with this team now at three and four is that they haven't exactly played strong teams through these first seven games of the year. So let's just kind of rattle through them. Houston, first game of the season, a win. You know, you can only play who's in front of you, but, you know, Houston is 1-6 and six on the season right now. They're 28th on offense and 19th on defense. Then they play two games against New Orleans, a win and a loss. Well, that was New Orleans' only win of the season. New Orleans is 1-7. and seven. They rank 28th on offense and 27th on defense thus far. Then the Milwaukee game, which was, you know, seemingly a very good road win against the defending champions. Not totally trying to poo-poo it, but Milwaukee's only 4-4 four and four on the year. And they've been pretty definitively average thus far this season. They're, they rank 15th on offense and 15th on defense. We might have sort of been brushing over the role that not having some of their players had in, in that game for the Wolves. Then Denver was a loss at home. The Nuggets are also only 4-4 four and four on the year. They rank 24th on offense and 5th on defense. Orlando was another home loss. And the Magic are only 2-7. and seven. They rank 25th on offense and 28th on defense. And then tonight, the loss to the Clippers is another home loss. The Clippers are, with that win, are only three and four. 
They rank 22nd on offense and 8th on defense. You know, that's not exactly a great spread of teams. Overall, those six opponents through the Wolves' first seven games are 15 and 32 on the year, and none of them currently have a winning record. Of those teams, if the playoffs started started today, only Denver would be in the playoffs. Now, you know, I guess the other side of it, to some of those teams not having good records or good numbers thus far have to do with the Wolves, like, sure, some of it, the Wolves were playing good defense in most of those games, and that's part of the reason none of those teams currently rank as a you know, that's at least one seventh or one eighth of the reason they don't rank as an above average offense right now. But as we've been talking about, kind of the dirty little secret about the Wolves' good defense thus far this season was the fact that they were getting lucky that opponents weren't making threes. And coming in coming into tonight's game against the Clippers, opponents were only shooting 30% from three against the Wolves, which means like literally as as bad as the Wolves' shooting luck had been coming into this game, their opponents' luck had been even worse. The Wolves are shooting 32% from deep before this game. 32, that which is better than that 30%. But of course, that shooting luck changed tonight. You you uh you certainly saw that tonight, not in the Wolves' favor. The Wolves shot 43s themselves, and they only made 35% of them, while the Clippers went off and they made just a ridiculous 58% of their threes tonight. I think the real question now, and honestly, I don't, I don't really know the answer, but I think the question is how much has three-point three shooting skewed our perception of the Wolves' defense thus far this season, like for the better or for the worse, right? For the better in the first five games where Houston, New Orleans, Milwaukee, and Denver shot a combined well under 30% from three. And and did I say for the worse there? That was, that was for the better. And then for the worse in these last two games where Orlando and Los Angeles combined to shoot well over 50% from three. You know, how do you assess the team's defense amidst all that variance? I asked Anthony Edwards about that right after tonight's game, and and Ant, unsurprisingly, I guess, is, uh, and not wrong, but unsurprisingly, is still looking at things glass half full. Here's what Ant had to say. More highs than lows this season defensively for this, this team. Where would you just kind of, how would you sum up where the defense has been over seven games this season? It's been up and down. I mean, we had our games where it was great. And we had our games where it was terrible. And we had our games where it was good in the first half, bad in the second half, bad in the first half, good in the second half. Um, it was – I feel like we still we still got a great defense, if you ask me. We just got to find a way to – what is it, 48 minutes? Got to find a way – 48 minutes to put it all together. Do you – can you feel when it's going to be a great game? Like like those first – I think the couple of early games of the season, like the first quarter, did you have a sense when this is going to be – a, a good defensive game, can you feel it? Uh, I mean, I can kind of feel it after, like, the first possession. Like, depending on how we pressure the ball, like, if J.O. or Vando start, whoever their best player is, we enter the ball, we in our gaps, we in the stands, and I'm like, yeah, we locked in this game defensively. It's going to be it's gonna be tough for them. But if we come out, like, not into the ball, even me, like, sometimes my man, majority of the time, I'm guard, like, the person who initiates the offense, goes to the pass and it goes to the corner. So if I'm not into the ball, then I mean, we, defense will be bad. You guys play these guys again on Friday. Or I know it's, you know, they made all these threes tonight. And it sounds like, you know, getting into the ball, that they'll help you guys. But what other adjustments do you think you can make to come out on Friday and, and get a win? Um, contest the shots better, I guess, because, like I said, they shot four, I mean, 65% from three. So 
I mean, I don't even think that has nothing to do with getting into the ball. <laughs> like, he was closing out. I mean, PG, hand in his face, step back, making him. Reggie Jackson gets hot. Terrence Mann. What he, what's Terrence Mann? What's Terrence Mann? Three for three from three. Nick Batum, seven for nine. Am I right? Six for eight. Like, come on, man. Like, they should have stepped Curry numbers, bro. Like, what you want us to do? I mean, I I, I can't be mad about it. I've got a smile on my face. I can't be mad. I, I love the way my team um, came out and fought. They shot 65% for three. <laughs> He's right. That was an insane shooting night. I mean, there isn't necessarily anything you can do to stop that. But what I will say is there are things you can do to sort of fuel a team's good shooting night. And Ant brought it up there and Finch did too when he talked. And one thing the Wolves did to fuel the Clippers offense and those fuel their three-point shooting is they did not get into the ball. And when you aren't in the ball, that's going to make it easier for the opponent to penetrate. That's just a fact. Particularly in pick and roll defense, you're going to feel that lack of control at the point of attack. When you play pick and roll defense the way the Wolves do now, we're learning that ball pressure is actually key. You know, the Wolves were trapping pick and rolls tonight. They were playing the big way up there, just like they did against Orlando and then again tonight against the Clippers. And when you're trapping without strong ball containment initially, the ball handler can just split that trap and get to the middle of the floor, either with just a little snake dribble in like we saw Paul George do tonight or by dropping a pocket pass into Zubats or whoever the big is setting that screen. And if you get to the middle of the Wolves' defense, we've seen it for two games now, it's, it's kind of a wrap. Like, we talk all the time about how the Wolves are really exaggerating the position of the low man when they go up and trap those pick and rolls. The low man has to come over because they're that, that last line of defense at the rim. Well, if the ball has gotten to the middle, the low man's all that's there. They're literally the last line, and they got to step up, you know, to take away that that guy who now has the ball in the middle from just taking a layup. And when they when they step up, that leaves the low man's original matchup, right? The guy who's in the corner, well, he's just wide open for the corner. So, I mean, bang. <laughs> like, without pressuring the ball, it's screen, try to trap, ball handler snakes back to the middle, low man comes up, spray to the ball to the corner for open threes, and, you know, you kind of see how your luck shakes out, but you're not necessarily doing anything to deter that luck from falling in your favor. And tonight, the Clippers make 21 threes. That's the game. The one player on the Wolves roster that is consistently willing and able to get into the ball is, is Patrick Beverly. And he started and he played 31 minutes tonight. But even that, you know, that didn't solve it. And that's because the Clippers have multiple initiators on the roster who can run that pick and roll at the top, who can be the penetrator. They would have, they would just have the the guy who Pat Bev wasn't guarding be the initiator. You know, it could be Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, Terrence Mann. And those guys are being guarded by players, as Ant said, who are not getting into the ball. We, we saw Finch try and adjust for that. He switched in the second half, he switched Beverly on to Paul George, who had been initiating a lot of the Clippers, that offense, right? He was the guy who'd been snaking back to the middle and finding, spraying it to guys or just stepping up to hit the shot himself. I mean, Papev just can't guard anyone and or can't guard everyone. So if the Wolves are going to win on Friday against the same team, they need the Josh Kogis, the Jaden McDaniels, the Jared Vanderbilts, and the Anthony Edwards who are guarding the ball to get into it. That will break that chain that the Clippers 
use tonight to get off to take a bunch of open threes. The good news, I think, is we know a Kogi, McDaniels, Vanderbilt, and even Ant, they're, they're capable of doing that. We've seen them do it before. And that's the difference with this team to previous Wolves team who teams who did not have the personnel to solve the problem. They got the personnel now. And that's the glass half full context clue that this could get better for the Wolves. We don't have to give up on the idea that the defense can be a floor raiser for this team. We're going to take a quick break here and uh, come back to talk about a couple other specifics from this loss tonight. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back talking the Timberwolves. 126-115 loss to the Clippers on Wednesday night. Uh, the one big thing we got to hit on, I think, is the new starting lineup. The Wolves had sort of settled, it seemed, into a new starting lineup with Jared Vanderbilt as the power forward next to D'Lo, Ant, McDaniels, and Cat. We obviously knew that wouldn't be the starting lineup tonight because D'Lo wasn't playing, but we ended up getting multiple changes to the starting lineup, not only was Patrick Beverly starting in Delo's place. Josh Kogi also went back to being the starting power forward in place of Jared Vanderbilt. So we had Pat Bev, Ant, McDaniels, Kogi, and Kat. You know, amongst the other questions we we're asking after the game about the threes and everything else, we none of us got the chance to ask Finch about the starting lineup change specifically. I kind of wish I would have remembered to do that. Um, so we, we can't really go off, you know, why he went with that, but what we can go off is what happened um, by starting a Kogi and the starting Beverly next to him. And what happened was actually what Britt and I were talking about on the last pod, where 
I was kind of wondering aloud if if opponents might start guarding Cat with the power forward and then putting the center on whoever the, you know, putting the center on whoever it's Vando or Akogi, whoever's starting or playing power forward. Because my thinking was just, that's what Orlando did, and it worked well by putting Mobamba off of Cat and onto Vando so he could just kind of lurk around the rim. And much like the Clippers went with the same offensive strategy of attacking the middle when they were on offense, you know, they went with a similar defensive strategy and they put Nicholas Batum on Cat, and then they had Zubats guard Josh Kogi, who started at power forward. But I don't even know if you could really call what Zubats was doing as guarding a Kogi. He was basically just floating around the lane. They left a Kogi wide open in the corner, and that led that led to the Wolves spacing to just kind of get wrecked tonight. And because Akogi was wide open, it led Akogi to taking two wide open threes in the first three minutes of the game. And he missed both of them. Which then led to Chris Finch subbing him out first for Malik Beasley. It seemed by going to Beasley, that was Finch's way of trying to restore the spacing that had been lost by, you know, putting Akogi out there. Akogi didn't get subbed back in at all in the first half. And actually, I was surprised to see that Finch again started him in the start of the third quarter, once they came back out, honestly, I was sitting there thinking, I don't, I'm not sure this is a, is a good idea, but then sure enough, a Kogi's left wide open again. And he hits a three on the wolf's first possession, hits another three on the wolf's second possession. And then on the third possession, he's open again. They close out a little bit harder and a Kogi drives to the basket, gets an and one. It was literally the perfect start to the half for him. And you know, it kind of had to make the Clippers go away from their little cheat of having Zubas be able to lurk by the rim and kind of linger by cat. It's that's how it kind of works with a Kogi. It's like it can be good. It can be bad. And similar things happen when it's Vanderbilt in at power forward too, in its own different way. Like the Clippers also weren't paying much attention to Vanderbilt in half court. So he was getting a bunch of, you know, how a Kogi lines up in the corner. Vanderbilt kind of lines up in the dunker spot on either side. And Again, not getting a lot of attention there, so he was Vanderbilt was getting a bunch of little drop offs under the hoop there, and again, much like a Kogi, sometimes it worked really well, and sometimes it didn't. The thing we're learning with Vanderbilt is that in this offensive role, is it's going to work and it's going to lead to dunks, clean dunks, or it's really not. He's going to have trouble handling the pass or he's going to have trouble finishing on the right side of the hoop because he's just so left-hand dominant. Vanderbilt shot 6 of 13 from the field tonight. So again, like Kogi, right? Half and half. Half the time it went well, half the time it went to those catches that led to dunks. But if you go through the seven misses of those 13 shots, the misses were all related to him, you know, taking a shot with his left hand when he was on the right side of the hoop. I just I just rewatched the 13 shots, and I'll just go through the misses. The first miss was a reverse layup on the right side that he shot with his left hand and missed. Second miss was just a, a right-handed layup that he kind of shot with both hands in transition, missed it. Third miss, caught it on the right side, went under the left side and got blocked. Fourth one, he just got stripped on a fast break. I don't think that had anything to do with what hand he was shooting with. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he was favoring the left there. The fifth miss, he grabbed an offensive rebound on the right side and he missed it when he went back up with the right. Sixth miss, sixth miss, he caught it on the right side, went under to the left side, and got stripped. And then the seventh miss was just a, a missed corner three. 
so again, I'm, I'm highlighting that the, the negatives there, not not to say that it's more bad than it is good, but again, like a Kogi, when it's bad, it's bad in the same way. And with Vanderbilt, it's yeah, it's it's bad in those same ways again, where he's just not doesn't have the full package offensively. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be playing a Kogi or they shouldn't be playing Vanderbilt. They're, I'm just saying that this. You know, this is the conundrum. Like, that's what you're paying for. You're paying a loss in spacing um, by choosing to do this. And the question is, how often is it going to work? It's going to work some of the time. It's not going to work some of the time. What is what does the percentage of the time have to be, you know, that it justifies the strategy for Finch? And I'll be curious as to which of the two Finch decides to, like, lean into a little bit more on Friday night because it's kind of going to be the same proposition. I think if it were me... Again, not that I, it's not that I would be removing those guys from the rotation, but I think if it were me, I, I'd, I'd lean into Malik Beasley in that spot, and I think I'd start Beasley. It wouldn't be at you know be at power forward. You'd have McDaniel slide up, and Beasley would be in on the wing, maybe Ant at the three, Beasley at the two. Um, but I think that's what I would do in in the rematch, and not. I I'm gonna make Malik Beasley the forgotten star of this game. I wouldn't say anybody. I wouldn't say. Beasley had a terrific game. The plus minus certainly doesn't agree with it, but um, but I think Malik Beasley was the forgotten star of the game tonight, brought to you by Forgotten Star Brewery, because he shot four of eight from three. And he seems like the most likely of the non-big three guys on this team to be able to repeat offensive performances like that. You know, outside of Beasley's four for eight from three, the Wolves combined to shoot 10 of 32 from three again tonight. And that's just... You know, it's just not going to cut it. They need shooting right now. Beasley was also one of four from two-point range. He just couldn't hit a floater. But to me, if D'Lo is going to miss Friday's game again, and I, I don't know anything on that yet, but I think you'll feel that you need more offense. And I think the answer there is then to lean into Beasley a little bit more. I guess the, the person I probably should have gone with for the Forgotten Star of the game was Patrick Beverly. Um, he had a really good stat line. He had 10 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, four of six shooting. But if you watched the game, you saw Beverly kind of lose his head a little bit late in the game. He had a bad technical and a few late costly turnovers on, on, on inbound, on inbound plays there. Kind of, I don't say it cost him the game because there was a lot of issues in the game. That's kind of where the game broke. But also after the game, Beverly, you know, he, he pumped the brakes on any sort of panic setting in with the Wolves, we're now on a three-game losing streak. Uh, he He's not concerned. You know, he, he more so pointed to injuries and just a little bit of sloppiness from this team that is that is definitely correctable. So here's Patrick Beverly after the game, not being concerned and also explaining what kind of happened there late in the game. Have you noticed any slippage from the start of the season defensively to the last few games here and is there anything that needs to be tightened up on that? No, I mean, Lando game, I don't play. I feel like if I play that game, we win. Obviously, D'Lo doesn't play tonight. He played tonight. I feel like, he, you know, we have another playmaker out there, another scorer out there. So, nothing to be worried about. Uh, I'm more impressed with our fight. Uh, we didn't let go the road like we did in Orlando game. Kept fighting, put ourselves in position to win. I got that silly-ass, stupid-ass tech on my half. Kind of gave them a little bit of momentum. I keep my composure better, but... uh. Other than that, I feel like we played a solid game. You know, they made shots. We 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 wanted to get the players to uh 
who we wanted to shoot to shoot, and they made shots. Terrence Mann hits three threes. You got to give him a lot of credit. Despite that late game stuff, we'll give Pat Bev the forgotten star of the game, along with Malik Beasley, and we'll see. Um, we'll see who Chris Finch leads into leans into on on Friday night. Again, check out Forgotten Star Brewery, Fridley, Minnesota. Um, if you mention the pod, you will get a dollar off of your beers there. And the, let's wrap up uh, today's show by talking about our prize pick points tonight. It's a way for us to little kind of hit on what cat was and was not able to do tonight i was feeling good about my picks I, I thought i had five that i felt really good about and i went one three and one uh i leaned heavy into cat going into the game i knew cat would be a real point of emphasis for the wolves offense finch had been talking about that so i took the over on 24 and a half points and four made free throws for cat but the clippers really took him out of the game i mean it was their plan for slowing down cat was insane. They were double teaming him before he caught the ball. That's about as aggressive as you can, you can possibly get. And, you know, cat was still able to have 18 points and three made free throws. So it wasn't that he was completely shut out, but he did not, I guess, exceed expectations tonight. The one over I did hit was over on five and a half assists for Paula George. Um, My thinking there was just about that pick and roll defense stuff. We talked about, I think if you watched the Orlando game, it was really easy to envision Paul George kind of stepping into the Cole Anthony role, which was going to be a heavy volume shooting role, but also in a spot there in the middle of the floor to kind of be able to pick it apart with assists. So George did hit that. He was over eight assists and had 32 points. The safest bet on the board for these prize picks, I've been saying since the the cap three-point thing had gone down, this the one I've been hitting every time was Anthony Edwards over five and a half rebounds. He'd had six-plus rebounds every single game this season, so I took the over there again tonight. I guess eventually that all balances out. Ant only had three rebounds tonight. And the, probably the one I felt the best about was, you know, um, gosh, I mean, rebounding's been a problem for the Wolves the whole year, and normally, like, the opponent's starting center is, like, eight, nine, ten, eleven rebounds is the over-under, and Avica Zubats was six. I was like, well, that's a lock. But somehow he only finished uh, with six boards tonight, so that was my my push of the night, my one tie. Uh, I was doing I was doing way better on these picks when the Wolves were winning. Um, so that one three and one now brings me down to exactly five hundred on the year. I'm 13, 13 and one. I don't know. Maybe if the Wolves start to turn it around, I will I will too on these uh, on these picks. If you haven't yet tried out Prize Picks, I'd recommend it uh, for real. It's it just it's fun. It's a little extra thing to track during the game. I do see that hundreds of you have already signed up using using my promo code. That's much appreciated. And when you use that, you get a $100 sign-up bonus, which is obviously a nice perk. You just plug in the promo code DANE when you download the app, create an account, deposit some funds. Um, yeah, just a little... Obviously, you can do it for non-Wolves games, too, if you want. I'm, I'm only doing it for Wolves games, but it's a... I don't know. Maybe Daily Fantasy is... Maybe it's fun. I'm... <laughs> I, I, I never did it before, but I'm, I'm having fun tracking these during the game. Uh, obviously, I got no film review of the next opponent to give you guys tonight because the Wolves are again playing the Clippers on, on Friday night at home. I'm not going to drop the, the must-win line on... <laughs> can't be a must-win on the eighth game of the season, but, you know, we're going gonna to be eight games into this season uh, after the Clippers game on Friday, and there'll be seven games at home. You know, being back at 500 before they head to Memphis on Monday feels pretty important. And the, the upcoming schedule, 
after that game is no joke. You know, after Clippers on Friday, it's at Memphis on Monday, at Warriors, then at Lakers, at Clippers, then back home for the Suns. It's tough. But as always, we'll take these one game at a time. And I will be back to talk to you on Friday night after that second Clippers game. Until then, thank you for continuing to listen, even after losses. Much appreciated. I'll talk to you on Friday. Peace. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.